welcome back to the Sporting Post. The mid-semester break has come and gone and we're back and we've got a friendly new face with us. May James, welcome to your first episode Behind the Mic. Thank you, Seb. Yes, I'm filling in for Mitch this week. He unfortunately has a commitment clash, but hope I can live up to um, the expectations he's set for us. <laughs> no, no, very high expectations indeed. Very big shoes to fill, Yes, of course. Hopefully you can do that with aplomb. I'm sure you can. Look, mate, we've just got off the phone with Genevieve Thorpe, who's our guest for this week. So she's marketing coordinator at the South Metro Junior Football League, as well as being a former Monash student, one that we both know for different reasons. But um, what did you make of our chat? Yeah, it was great. So she's a former Mojo student as well, which is obviously um, where this podcast is coming from today. Mm-hmm. Um, Seb knows her through Mojo and I know her as I'm actually lucky enough to do an internship at the SMJFL at the moment. So she's my boss there. Um, we had a great old chat about how she got to where she is today, um, the, the things she's had to juggle to get there. And she gave us a really good idea of just saying yes to everything. And I think that was a really yep. interesting point that she made. Just always say yes. Don't turn anything yeah. because you never know where that could get you. Yeah, 100%. We won't drop too many spoils, but that was a very big point of hers. And it was quite interesting. And also she's you know, young in her career and she's she's being her own boss. Like it's it feels cool. It's awesome. Good on her. It's it's always good to see that where the people from Mojo end up because they always do so well. So it's inspiring to see. Yeah, hundred percent. There's a bunch of them out there. Jen's just another one that's um that's kicking it. So it's awesome to see. But um look mate, before we get into that interview, the AFLW grand finals finals coming up on um Saturday. Yes it is. Adelaide and Brisbane. It's um yeah, it's exciting time for footy. Yeah, it's a very exciting time for footy. It's always good when the AFLW grand final comes along. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um obviously this season has been a bit bit up and down for the girls there and obviously I'm not happy about it because the AFLW girls for Collingwood my team were flag favorites but unfortunately were not able to pull through with that so I'm not very happy about that oh well you know these things happen mate but um there's something else you wanted to touch on that you found a little bit what should we say should we say interesting or un- unfortunate really yeah unfortunate and interesting the Adelaide captain Chelsea Randall um is actually missing the grand final because she got a concussion in the last match and she got on and was speaking about how it's just really important to kind of bring awareness to the importance and the severeness of concussions in AFL and how she doesn't think they're taken seriously enough um, from a grassroots level, so starting off with just local footy. And I think that is a really, really important message in AFL. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's the first – well, it's the first concussion rule that's I think that's been brought in this year um, with the new rules that they must be mandatory 13 days, 12, 12 or 13 I think it is. So like in one regard, it's stiff because you just you get the feeling that the club doctors would have figured out a way to get her up for the grand final had there not been this rule in place. But in the other way, from what we know, and like it's not a whole lot on concussions, but what we know, if she did get another one in the grand final on Saturday, like it's not just well, it's not necessarily career ending, but down the track, there are so many things that just that have happened, like Shane Tuck, Danny Foley. It's tragic stuff, and like they, you know, like it's very, very sad. And I can completely, I look, I support the AFL's position. I think they've done a fantastic job, and I'm sure the uh, the Adelaide captain would feel the same. To be completely honest, one hundred percent. And that's what I was going to say is often players want to play through concussions because they feel better um, after a bit of time. But as we've seen with Shane Tuck, for example, with the repeated head injuries that he got throughout his career actually had severe um severe consequences and actually caused his death. Yeah, well he said he felt didn't feel like himself for his last two years of his life. Like that's a that's a big, big deal. Yeah. For only a forty year old guy. And I think he had chronic traumatic and 
I can't pronounce the word. CTE, I think we'll refer to it as. Yeah, CTE we'll call it because I can't pronounce that last word. But um, yeah, well, obviously, it can only be, be can only be diagnosed post mortem. Um, still figuring out plenty about it, but um, it seems there's a very big link between that depression, concussion, personality changes, and that is not a good combination at all. One hundred percent. Um. Yeah, but just on another issue with the AFLW Grand Final, mate, just before we get to our interview with Jen, mm-hmm. um, it's being played at 2 o'clock on a Saturday, which first glance sounds, you know, sounds fine, doesn't really bother anyone. But 2 o'clock on a Saturday, like there, there are games of football on a Saturday afternoon. And I understand that the AFL have tried to move the, um, the Saturday afternoon games, Western Bulldogs and the Suns now starts at 4.35. Yeah. Same with Sydney, Swans and the Giants. But, like, you know, they're still... I think this it doesn't quite feel right to me that the AFL fixtures those the a big AFLW game on a typical or on a time where people are still going to be focusing on the AFL. To be honest, I think it should have been given its standalone day, even like a Sunday afternoon. I think would have been perfect for it. I one hundred percent agree with you there, Seb. I still don't think obviously the AFLW isn't at the level um, that the just normal AFL traditional competition is, and it's getting there, but will take a long time. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's fair on the girls. Um, yep. I reckon they should be given the same amount of respect and, um, watch time as the boys are. And yeah, I do reckon that Saturday at 2 PM is not, not the ideal time slot, I reckon for a game as big as an AFL grand final or AFLW for that matter. Yeah. Anyway, with all that being said, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the AFL does in the future regarding the AFLW grand finals. Yeah. But now let's hop right into the interview with Jen. Genevieve Thorpe, welcome to the Sporting Post. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you, Jen? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Just, uh, yeah, getting ready for our season coming up and, um, yeah, I'm good. Great to hear. So we'll start off with the first question. Um, So obviously you work at the South Metro Junior Football League, SMJFL. Can you please tell us a bit about your job there and just yourself in general? Yeah, sure. So I work at the South Metro Junior Football League. I'm the marketing coordinator and it's the largest independent um, sporting organisation in the country. So we have over 11,000 players, over 700 umpires and thousands and thousands of volunteers. So um, yeah, that's where I I am currently and yeah that's about it but just the one just the one marketing coordinator though Jen yes so for 11,000 <laughs> yeah exactly so we're quite a small team actually there's only about eight staff so we're a very tight-knit team but yeah I'm I'm the only marketing person yeah so I'm sure it'd be tough to work well to work with so many people and just in a very small team but it would have been made even tougher by obviously you only started that first job last year yeah just before COVID hit if I'm not wrong yes can you tell us a bit of how you dealt had such large expectations on yourself from both you and everyone else and like you know you had to still deliver content for such a big league all by mm. yourself kind of thing how did how did that work out for you yeah um it was definitely an interesting start so I, I started the job um end of 2019 um in November and yeah it like so I only spent the first I want to say four months of the role in the office at RSEA Park in Moorabbin and then yeah in March pandemic hit and we started working remotely which at the time it didn't seem like a huge transition but I guess as it became more and more weeks and the lockdown was prolonged it definitely started to hit that oh this isn't a short-term solution this is going to be you know a a couple months or Mm. and ended up being until 
December. So I, I only saw the rest of the staff for the first time all sat in the same room December 6, I want to say. So it took, you know, nine months to <laughs> to reconnect with everyone. So wow. it was quite um, an incredible experience but yeah I guess I I tried to keep things moving at home so we tried to still engage with our community and keep everyone um, you know motivated and looking forward to some sort of season or football in some form so we ran a podcast called From the Bench um, which was created with the football department. You're a pro then. (laughs) (laughs) I, I kind of like you know Zoom podcasts and all that stuff so that's kind of what we did and I tried to follow um, all the debutantes that had emerged from SMJFL and do as much content from that as I can. Yeah, cool. Um, so it was really, I guess, like, I was kind of like scavenging for content, like looking across any social media that I can and trying to reach out to people and because there was no season for us. So I, I really just had to report on what I could, which was a challenge. Yeah, your first year and you're going into uncharted territory for the whole league, like that must have been stressful to say the least. Yeah, it definitely tested my ability to search for stories and especially in a job that was so new and I was still learning so much about the organisation, it really tested me and honestly I think it's made me a more well-rounded um, professional because I have so many skills working remotely and just like technology skills I feel like I I can do almost anything from home now which is um, definitely something I didn't think I would be able to do before. Yeah Andy, Jen just quickly before I let May jump in again like this might sound like a stupid question so I hope you don't laugh at me but (laughs) your first year you're almost your own boss in a way what how do you decide what to do and how to how to deliver the content? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I guess coming into the role, there were a couple of set, like we call them activations, like there's Monash University is our major sponsor. So we have the Monday Monash review, which recaps everything that's happened over the weekend. And then there's a preview that we put out on the Friday, um, kind of looking at what's going to happen that weekend. So there were like a couple of set things in place like that. Um, but then coming to the role, I was kind of told you can make it your own, um, kind of go for it and see what you can come up with. Freedom for stepping into a role. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of freedom. And I guess I just had to come up with my own systems to keep track of things. Like I came up with a new system for like, this is a really like, you know, going to a lot of detail here. Yeah, go on. Like coming up with a schedule for all the articles going out and all the social media and how do we make sure there's not, you know, five posts going up on one day and no posts going up for the rest of the week. Like how can we plan that content so that everyone's staying engaged and doesn't become disinterested or oversaturated with the content? Like that's something that I really tried to do and I guess like I reflected back on a lot of things that I learned at Mojo you know in those couple of years just thinking about how people respond to content how to grow when people don't like a certain type of content and like how can you innovate and keep things moving to keep people um, interested. Yeah so speaking of Monash and Mojo obviously you went to Monash and you were also a part of Mojo what did you do during your time there that set you up for your job now and just jobs in future? Yeah so I just finished up 
my degree last year, um, but I was in Mojo from 2017 to end of 2019, so three years. The first year I kind of just sat back and tried to learn from my peers and kind of absorb all of the information that I could. Um, and second year, I heard that there was this opportunity to become um, a social media producer. And I, I think I was at the stage where I was ready to take on a responsibility. And I kind of was feeling a bit panicked, like, oh, if I don't do something now, then I'm not going to have anything to show for my time here. So um, I took it. And um, eventually, it turned into a more of a leadership role where I was leading a team of social media producers in my final year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really just making sure that when all the articles went out, um, I'd get a notification, I'd post it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and try to share it on, you know, stalker space or in community pages. And yeah, interesting. I, I was kind of like the person behind the scenes trying to make sure everything got seen by as many people as possible. And that really gave me a lot of freedom to try and test things and see what worked and see what didn't. And I think in a way it also gave me a bit of an opportunity to almost be a manager and like uh, delegate tasks and and yeah and and look after other people so it wasn't just me it was um, a whole group of us yeah a bit of leadership skills and yeah so that was one thing I was also a section editor in my second and third year so I I was lifestyle editor and entertainment editor and um, there was a social media like written section where like people would write about social media so that I kind of did those roles at various times and yeah and the final thing would be halftime which was in my final year as well yeah can you tell us a bit more about um halftime and how that set you up because obviously that is sporting related yeah sure so in my final year I got a bit more involved in sports I, I kind of thought that that would be the one thing that I um wouldn't go near I don't know I just I thought like oh I don't know anything about sports like I'm I'm not gonna pretend to know about something that I don't know about okay yeah um but then Julie Talberg um came across this opportunity at Richmond um and she got in touch with me and and said like if if you don't take this you're gonna regret it so um when she puts it that way you can't really say no and I'm I'm really glad I wasn't too scared to do it because yeah it's a really nerve-wracking thing to put yourself out there but I took that and that really um it was a position with the VFLW team as their correspondent and um that kind of got me more sports focused and that was a great experience and then that's how halftime came about and path the other producer and host came to me and said oh like we need we need some female representation on the couch and I want you to help um help come up with this format um with me so we workshopped that and yeah we I think we had like eight episodes or something running through that second semester so that was a a huge project yeah it's no small feat it's like eight half an hour episodes of but like quality, or well, I'll say quality because I was on it and you were on it. So we'll say, we'll say quality. I think it was pretty good. But um, Thank you. I think it was too. You know, like it was it was a lot of work and like you were in your final year. How did, just, how did you go about getting a TV show off the ground? Uh, I guess 
I kind of all just how much how much work went into it like what did what were you thinking behind the scenes yeah it kind of happened almost overnight like Path and I were coming up with this format and that same week we shot kind of a rough pilot um which will never go to air by the way never Um, I remember that rough pilot it was a it was a very rough pilot (laughs) yes it was basically just us like feeling out how do we how do we talk to each other and make it natural and how do we yeah you know what what segments can we do and um that was a big learning experience but pretty much after that pilot happened everything fell into place and it was like okay now we're going to write the first episode we'll get a team we'll do a call out for for researchers and producers and um and like cast members sort of like for vox pops and stuff like you were and that it kind of just flew from there to be honest we just and then everything fell into place and we had Chester yeah. um, help as a producer as well, executive producer. Yeah. Gets everything done. Um, and all of a sudden we were in the studio filming our first episode. <laughs> like it was a lot more planning than that. But like once we took that first step, it kind of just fell into place. Everything just kept snowballing. Yeah. Yeah, no, awesome. Yeah, so um, it obviously seems you did a lot at Mojo and um, if I remember, you also started working at SMJFL in your final year of uni. That is a lot to take on. Yes. Yeah, a lot to take on. How did you manage that? Because that is a crazy amount of stuff to be juggling. Yeah, so pretty much after I finished the Richmond internship was when um, Julie gave me the call about this opportunity at SMJFL. So shout out to Julie she's really been my um guardian angel she's you know sounds like you owe her a coffee or something (laughs) I definitely do I think there are I think there are a lot of people in that situation though aren't there (laughs) she does everything yeah basically like any opportunity you get I would say go for it Mm. like you it's really the power of saying yes and if I hadn't said yes you know going to the pandemic there's so many less opportunities and I'm so grateful that Julie put me in that place where like now I have a full-time job I'm just so grateful and that was at the end of 2019 um so I was looking at one more year of part-time study um so yeah I did part-time study from home and working full-time from home which was definitely an experience. <laughs> you say COVID might have actually not helped at all because obviously it was terrible, but juggling uni and work at the same time, hmm. doing it all from one spot might have actually made it easier. In a way, it did make it easier. Like I, I wasn't having to run to uni and run back to work, but definitely it's it was hard. I'd say the biggest challenge working from home was kind of being on call at all times and especially with things like um, when we were putting out announcements about the season being suspended or you know then depending on what time um, the government put out an announcement I could be writing a memo at 3 p.m on a Saturday or I could be writing it you know it was it was a lot less um, predictable when I was working because it was really dependent on what restrictions are changing and and what do we need to tell the community? But I like I I have to be honest that I really struggled not having that social interaction at uni as well, and not having mm. the social aspects of work. Like May, you've been in our office. It's such a fun yeah. um, environment to be in, and oh, it definitely is. And and everyone looks after each other. And it was hard. Like even though we were supporting each other online, it's really just not 
the same on Zoom. Yeah. You can't get the same yeah. um, level of connection. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that, I think that resonates with me. I'm sure that does with you too, mate. Like, I am not a fan of uni, to say the least. But, you know, I see May every Tuesday and I see people every Friday that I know and it's like, it's just good vibes, isn't it? Very good. Yeah. And, like, especially with Mojo and even going to Mojo meetings, like, being in the same room with 30 people, like, for a long time that just didn't happen and that was such a an important social part of my life as well like I was doing something mojo related every day in in the same room with everyone and then that's not happening anymore and you kind of have a mourning period of that yeah not being a reality for a bit Mm. (laughs) yeah it was hard that's an interesting one um look Jen just doing a bit of a 360 there and going back to Monash for a bit yeah so obviously you've done you did the Richmond VFL you did mojo I'm sure you did plenty of other things but what are the things that you think you missed out on that you look back on? Or like you can encourage people now to say, look, I really wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done this. Is there anything that springs to mind there? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was so shy in my first year. I saw, you know, like I saw people like Matilda Bosley being in a in a position. Um, yeah, incredible. And like now Matilda and I great friends but like I was so intimidated by her because she was so confident and put herself out there and I was thinking oh I'm I don't have the same knowledge like I I I can't I can't do that but you absolutely can all you have to do is say yes and if if someone's going around the room asking who doesn't have an article put your hand up and they'll give you something and just give it a try even if it's not a subject that you know about like in a way it's almost better to do a story from scratch because you're forced to do all the research and you have to learn about things from a very basic um, level and I definitely regret not saying yes to more things in first year but I think I tried to compensate for that as much as I could in second year because I realized mm-hmm. oh, one year's done I have two more years to go I really need to give this a proper crack seems like you did a good job though <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah yeah so um also just getting towards the end here is where you're at right now where you want to be in the future or do you see yourself moving to a different job or is there any goals you want to accomplish within your job currently or things like that yeah um I have a lot of goals at SMJFL first like I think just to experience my first season that was a big thing like I'm not gonna leave until I give this a proper go yeah. um can you let us in on any of those goals Jen like have you got like KPIs that you chase yourself or things like that yeah I definitely have like set KPIs um in terms of my job but also like things I want to do I want to grow our audience by a certain percent mm-hmm. um I want to interview more like we have a great connection with St Kilda yep. in the same building um and they're one of our community partners like I want to interview more players I want to like see if I can collaborate with different people and different things and kind of get my foot in the door but yeah I like there's definitely some some things that I want to achieve where I am first before I move on like I just ran my first SMJFL event um so things like that you can't really do I mean I did do a couple of remote events but running a physical event was a big goal of mine um not via zoom Mm -hmm. and 
Um, yeah, and just I'm running a photography program this year, so I'm looking after about a dozen photographers and managing those. I've got my two interns this year, um, and there's a lot of different activations and partners that we're looking after. So I think it like really I just wanted to have a season so I could experience those things. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, got you, Jen. Um, look, that's just about all I had to ask, but. I couldn't let you leave without, um, as we mentioned in the intro, you've taken our own May under your wing this year. Um, yep. Can you give us an update on how she's going? Well, <laughs> she's doing fantastic. She She's, you know, dedicated and I can see that she's really excited about um, about everything that's coming up this year. And actually, um, we have another intern, Dylan, as well. And May and Dylan collaborated on their first um, preview today, actually. So the preview of round one that's coming up. So that's up on our website this evening, which is very exciting. So she's doing very, very well. All right, good on you, May. Thank you, Jen. Jen is an absolutely amazing mentor and boss. Oh, thank you. You should check out all the SMJFL social medias. Jen does an amazing job on those. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And, yes, if you want to read May's preview, it's up at the moment at smjfl.com.au. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Beautiful, guys. That's, I love it. We'll leave it there, though, Jen. You've been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for giving up your, your time this evening. Me and May could not be more thankful of it. We could not. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm excited to see everything that you guys get up to this year. Okay. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, Jen. All right, mate. That was our chat with Genevieve Thorpe. And, you know, impressive, impressive person for, you know, only so young in her career. Very impressive. Yeah. I hope we all took a lot out of that. I know I did. I hope you did too, Seb. Yeah. It's one for the philosophies, isn't it? She's got some great philosophies, I think. No, 100%. Um, one of the things I took out of it, and I think was a really, really good point is don't commit yourself to something too early. Because obviously, as she said, she started off doing lifestyle entertainment, didn't think she'd ever end up in sports and then ended up choosing a path that we know and love. But um, yeah, she ended up doing work in sports. So I think that was a really, really good point. Yeah, maybe I could take a few lessons out of that too because I probably would. <laughs> in terms of my journalism basket, I think all my eggs are mostly in the – All your eggs in the sports basket. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe I should work on that and maybe I should have a think about it. But I liked her philosophies about how she um she took all those opportunities at, at uni, all the opportunities at Julie who have won her. She just kept saying yes. Yeah. And um, look at where that's got it. Like you can be – one way I guess to look at May is you can be absolutely slammed for six months of your life, but if that delivers a perfect job – sometime down the track 100% worth it isn't it surely exactly and that's what we always say as well like just doing even if it's just little things but doing lots of those little things building up your portfolio building up your cv your resume yeah. so when you do finish uni you have something to show of yourself and as we've learned in some of the other podcasts in previous weeks it's not all about the grades that you get it's about the the extracurricular stuff isn't it the, exactly the extracurricular stuff the internships the um, writing for Mojo, things like that. Yeah, the initiative, the stuff that can't be measured, that's, what's, that's what really gets you going. Exactly. And I think Jen's a really good example of that. Yeah, 100%. I think we're just about done, mate. How have, how have you fared? It's been good. Thank you for having me this week, yeah. giving me an opportunity to have a little chat. Fantastic that you're on just as the episode that, uh, that Jen was on, your, uh, your employer. just worked out beautifully, perfectly. Thank you very much, Seb. But no, don't worry, everyone. Mitch will be back, back and better than ever next week. Yeah. But you might see some more of me 
in our coming weeks. Yeah, down the track. We'll look forward to it, mate. And uh, we'll look forward to your company again on the, uh, the Sporting Post for the rest of the season. Thank you so much, guys. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.